Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gittos Whelan and with me this evening we have Matt Baroku and Steve Carroll. How are you boys? Very good, thank you. Yep, I'm good as well. Cheers. We're, we're actually very good, of course, because, whisper quietly, things are going very, very well at Swansea. The weather outside may be frightful, but the Swans are certainly delightful. Uh, oh, and tonight oh. we've got... Oh, come on, come on. I've got no, to get I can't allow that. I can't allow that. It's January as well, so it's not even in season. I can't it's have so it. It's no reference. I can, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> we've got a it's lot to discuss. Well, we've got we've got a lot to discuss tonight, apart from snow and rubbish references to to Christmas songs a month after it's been. Um, so um, we'll we'll get a move on. But before we do that, um, we don't have the usual quiz tonight. Um, but just a little game for you, uh, everybody at home. Um, see if you can um, answer this question. Uh, we signed Connor Hurahan on loan from Aston Villa um, this week. He is the fifth person with Connor in his name to represent the Swans. Can you name the other four? We will be giving the answers at the end of the pod. Steve and Matt already know the answer, so I won't ask them, but um, uh, that's a, one that you may want to play along with at home. But um, while uh, well, while we wait for that answer to come along, uh, we'll start off with a review of Swansea's uh, latest league match. Uh, we have to go all the way back to last week and Barnsley. Um, Steve, We'll start with you. A 2-0 win, which is something, which is a scoreline we're getting used to. And um, I, get, I guess the nature of the performance was something we've got used to as well. Yeah, probably it is now, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I thought the first half was quite uninspiring, really. We didn't offer a great deal, but, you know, you feel quite confident in some ways that as long as we're defending quite well, that we can nick a goal, because it seems to be the thing that we do. But did I think we'd score from uh, a long throw? No. Although I did tongue-in-cheek say to my father, I'll oh, score from this now. It'd be typical of us to nick a, uh, a goal here, just because that's what we've been doing recently, and, and that's what we did, wasn't it? So, and once we do go in front, we don't tend to let it slip, do we? So it was a crucial goal to get on the stroke of half-time, and then you know we did see it out quite well in, um, in the second half. It probably wasn't a 2-0 game if we're being honest, but I mean, we, we just don't seem to let Leeds slip, do we? I mean, our, our defensive record is just so good, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Matt, Steve raised a few points there. One, the first half performance wasn't inspiring, said Steve. I would have argued it wasn't actually very good. I thought we were poor. Uh, we weren't just kind of, you know, uh, put it, putting a shift in and, and, you know, playing it direct. I thought we, you know, chose to play less football than we needed to, even though it was on a bad pitch. Um, two, I mean, Steve there said, oh, it would be so typical of us to score here, even though we've not offered anything or all half. That's not something that we would traditionally say about the Swans, but it is something that we have seen quite a lot this season, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's a sign of a really, really, you know, promising team. If you get the if you can win when you're playing ugly and you're not you're not necessarily at your best, then those are the teams that end up being successful come the end of the season. So, I mean, it's nothing to be, you know, to, to, to quickly nose up at. I think it's really, really positive trait to have. You can't always play, you know, brilliantly. Uh, look at Liverpool in the Premier League at the moment, for example. They they walked the league last season playing scintillating football. This season, one or two players have just dipped off form and all of a sudden their form has completely collapsed. And I mean, when you have 
uh, a way of playing and you want to play. You always want to play good football. Um, we've had a couple of games lately. The last game on the old Liberty turf and, and this one in Barnsley as well. Um, they, they were very... Um, I think they were both against Barnsley, weren't they? I mean, you're looking at two games there where you've got a pitch which is quite cut up. It's not very playable. I don't think we did the most with it anyway, Gitto. I think you're right there. I don't think it was a good performance. But I don't think we could have played necessarily lovely football on the deck. So it's a little bit horses for courses. You know, we mixed it up a bit. The fact that um, Connor Roberts decided the long throw off his own back, as as uh, as Cooper said post match, he just you know if he wants to throw it into the six yard box onto someone's head, then I'm not going to stop him. Let him crack on. It's it's good to see the players using their uh, you know in, ingenuity on the pitch there to try and conjure up something like Steve said of of nothing because we didn't really do anything in that first half. So. To have a poor half, you're not really finding your men. The ball, the pitch is bobbly, cut up, and you're having to play it down the wing. It's going to play. The pass was centered, it's quite low. And you just think, like, well, how are we going to win this game? Because if we can't win pretty, we've got to try and win ugly. And unfortunately, we found a way to do that. Yep, and uh, Ben Cabango's third goal of the season as well. He's now a third top scorer behind uh, Jamal Lowe and uh, Andre Ayew, which is um, pretty impressive for a centre-back. Um, Steve, let's talk about the second goal. Was it offside or not? It was something that really divided opinion on, on Saturday night. Um, I don't think it was, personally. I think once uh, the defenders touched it, really, the um, you're back in play, aren't you, with the the whole different phases that years ago, obviously that would have been disallowed, but um, no, I, I personally uh, don't think it's offside. And uh, from my point of view, I think Barnsley made a mistake, didn't they? It was a bit of a mix up and uh, Lowe was opportunistic and um, he's at the form he's in. It he seems to be sticking him away, didn't he? I mean, a couple of months back, he'd have been in that position and nobody would have believed, but the, I think this time we all did. And um you know, I think Barnsley can't really have um, have too many complaints about that. They they made a mistake and they were punished for it, from my point of view. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Lowe's form continues to to exceed all expectations. Really, he's doing brilliantly at the moment. Um, I, I think the general consensus is that it was um, onside um, because, of course, Jamal Lowe, according to the rules, wasn't interfering in play. Whether that should count mm. as interfering in play is a is a different. Matter entirely, but but you know he wasn't impeding uh, the defender who was going for the ball, and he was and he wasn't making a direct movement towards the ball at the time. So uh, technically, it wasn't offside apparently, and we've seen um, this the similar issue appear in quite a few games now. Uh, Matt, most notably in the Man City one against Aston Villa. It's weird, isn't it, how these refereeing talking points can sometimes kind of appear all at the same time. I think with it is, is it's not necessarily the rule or the law that's the problem. It's the real-life application of it. Now, if you watch the Man City goal and you watch the Jamal Lowe goal as a interested spectator, your natural reaction will be, he's offside there. And you can you, we can take our swan's rose-tinted glasses off and just say Jamal Lowe was offside. But you follow the letter of the law and you say, well, you know, technically, no, he he's... 
may not be because it's all about dependent whether he's deemed to be interfering or whether he's active when he's beyond the last man. Apparently not, even though he had a hand on the last man. It's very grave for me. I think I wouldn't have had any complaints if he was flagged off. I doubt, despite what he said in the studio, I doubt Lee Trundle would have had too many complaints if he was flagged off. So I think, really... If we're looking at it honestly, we're looking at the game, we're watching it as a as a neutral and interest perspective, we're probably looking at it going, Yeah, I would I would have expected that to be flagged. Uh, in the same way you'd have expected um, you know, Man City's goal to be ruled out, uh, you know, the the fact that Tyrone Mings touched the ball and stuff and he yeah, for me, you know, you're gaining a blatant advantage from being in that position in the same way that Jamal Lowe did, because as soon as they mixed up, he was already in behind the defence to, to to slot it away. He was by the way, there's not many players outside of the Premier League I'd rather be in that position at the moment. He's in ridiculous form. Um, so, yeah, it is weird. These things happen. You get a bit of an interpretation on the lawn and all of a sudden you get four or five instances of it in the space of a few weeks. So, um, we, for me, maybe we got away with one there. But according to the letter of law, not so. So, you know, maybe the law just needs to be adjusted a bit. But for now, I'm happy that, you know, it got it got let on. Yeah, and I'll be honest with with incidents like this. I really sympathise with linesmen. Um, mm. it, it, it the the modern linesman just has so much to look at at one time. I know we you know we always complain about officiating etc. But when it comes to offsides these days, it is genuinely extremely difficult. I think for a linesman to do his job because it's not simply a matter of looking along the line and and seeing is you know that player on the wrong side of the last defender when the ball is played. It's, you know, there's so much to think about. And um, that wasn't an easy decision. I think the linesman did get it right according to the letter of the law. But again, it you know, it, it, it is a difficult one. Um, there weren't too many talking points in the match, if, if we're being honest. It was a stinker of a game. But um, one, one thing that's becoming a common theme with Swansea games is that when we go up, um, we mm. were pretty good at seeing the game out. And I don't think Barnsley really had too many chances after falling behind. But one chance that they did have was a, a long-range stunner. I think it was from Britain. Um, but I'm not entirely sure about that. But bottom line is they had a long-range effort, which was heading into the top corner. And um, Steve, I mean, Freddie Woodman, was, was that the save of the season so far? Or was it just, uh, well, I, I, I'm off the top of my head. I can't think of any better. I don't know if you can, but at the, at the very least, it was, a, it was a heck of a save from Woodman. Yeah, I can't think of one uh, that's better either, to be honest. It was a great save, to be fair. The, the Barnsley player, like I said, Britain, couldn't have hit it any better, really, could he? And uh, he's a bit unlucky that uh, it's been saved because it was, uh, did take a really good save to... To keep that out, there weren't too many moments, really, as you say. I mean, I think that was the the big one. But I mean, that wasn't a huge chance, was it? Really, I mean, in general, if you shoot from that range, you're probably not going to hit it as well as that. It's just a lot this day he did, and fortunately for us, uh, Woodman had the answer. But I mean, as you say, um, a two nil. I um, I felt incredibly relaxed, which is a a very big compliment to the team, really, because I mean, through our uh, through the last few years, that hasn't really. Um, been the case. I mean, we'd uh, we'd concede a corner, and I'd be thinking, "Here we go." But uh, my fears of uh, are not there anymore because we are so good at protecting the lead. I did find it interesting. The commentary was like, "Wow, what a hit! What a hit! That would be goal of the season. That would have been amazing. What a strike!" 
And oh yeah, and also Freddie Woodman's done well to get to it. Can we just stop for a second and realize that's a goal 99 times out of 100? Of course, he's caught the shot of his life there from 25 yards. It is only going one place, which is, you know, it's his top corner. It's an insane strike. Give him credit for that. But that save, as you say, Gitto, is 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 a save of the season. It's 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 just the power that he got behind the ball as well. Woodman had so little time to react and it is athletic, it's fabulous to the cameras and there's few angles which are just glorious. Um, I don't think on, 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 the, on the coverage Woodman got nearly enough credit as he should have for making that save. There is one angle that is absolutely mm. stunning. It's so photogenic. You think, oh, if a goalkeeper could like direct a shot like that, that is the shot that he would have directed was... for that save. There was a, uh, I think it was a, a, a local photographer at the ground who posted on Twitter after the game that he was watching the warm-ups and there was a, a shot come in from what well, was Woodman was warming up and he pulled off this ridiculous fingertip save to the top corner and he thought at the time that was incredible and then he did it an hour later during the match and he thought I can't believe I've seen him do that twice and, and one of them was in the match as well so apparently he's, uh, he had he had form for doing that the same evening. Well, let's have a quick discussion about Freddie Woodman because I think it's fair to say he's during his time at the Swans. I think I think fans really like Woodman as as a person and and generally as a keeper. But during his time here, there have been one or two doubts from some fans, um, and, and admittedly, there have been times where he's maybe got away with one or two little slips, little errors, which um, haven't ended up costing the Swans. But but you think, well, he got he got a bit lucky there. Sometimes he's rode his luck a little bit, but. I mean, you look at his clean sheet record, um, you look at how many goals he's actually conceded this season. I mean, how good is Woodman? And do you think he is, do you think we've seen improvement at all as the season's gone on? Matt, you, you start off because you were praising that that save just now. Do you, Have we seen an evolution in his game compared to last season? 100%, 100%. And that is, I think, the biggest point is I don't think our points, because uh, we, we've crit- we've been critical in the past. You know, we have labelled Woodman a very, very lucky goalkeeper. There's times when he's he's got a soft hand to a, a shot, which has tipped onto the post. And you're thinking, oh, he should have got a better hand on that, but he's, he's got away with it. So we're okay. And um, those were criticisms of last season. And, and, and I think at the time, personally, I think they were valid. And I'm looking at him now more and more, week on week, he's growing in confidence. And with every clean sheet as well, Gitto, I think he's getting more and more confident. You can only, a goalkeeper relies on their defenders. The defenders rely on the goalkeeper behind them. And that relationship at the moment is as strong as anything outside of the Premier League. And maybe if we look into the Premier League, there's not many too many defences there either. You'd probably bank on keeping a clean sheet more than the Swans. So, it's quite a phenomenal uh, partnership we've got, and the defenders don't let much get behind them. They they, they really cut out a lot of source, and the the, the, the centre backs are just phenomenal. Um, but when they do, to have a goalkeeper like Woodman, who is is, is playing now as best as he has since he's since he's come to us, is um is a great uh, is a great asset. And yeah, I do. I think he's grown. I think he's got better and more confident. And you know when you. And going back to the 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 the, the uh, game against Stevenage um, a couple of weeks ago, which of course you and Steve analysed um, on the pod, that penalty save there was epitomised him just just having that feeling of I'm not going to be beaten today. So it's great. It's it's just fabulous to see him, you know, brimming with confidence. And of course, 
that the fans already took to him for his, um, you know, the way he's taken himself to the Welsh culture and, and Swansea City as a whole. Yeah, he's clearly loving life here. And um, I, I mean, Steve, long term, you know, we don't know which league we're going to be in next season. But um, I mean, whatever league we're in, would would you be keen to see him come down to uh, come back permanently to the Swans if um, if that was possible? I think that's a, that's a good question. I think for this division, I think he's he's a great goalkeeper. I do have one or two doubts about him in the Premier League, if if I'm honest. I wouldn't be against him coming in. But I, I would say that I think ideally I would like somebody better. I do think, as you say, he gets away with a, a few mistakes um, on occasion. He's still a young goalkeeper. Obviously, he's, got, he's going to improve. And I'm I'm not saying I definitely uh, wouldn't want him. But um, it's not a case of, like, for, I'll give an example. If we were to go up and Gray was available on loan for next season, it would be a no-brainer. It would be, yes, we have to have this player again because of how good he's been. And you just feel like he would be good again at the next level where... With Woodman, I'm not quite as convinced, if I'm honest with you. So, yeah, I think that's where I am uh, with Woodman at the moment. I, I really like him. I think his, you know, he's a crowd favourite, really, isn't he? Because his, his personality shines through. He he seems to love playing for us. But there are sometimes some mistakes from him. And um, that, that would worry me slightly going up to a level that's more ruthless. Yeah, and he, well, bottom line, he's having, he's having a great season at the moment, and uh, obviously leading in uh, leading the league in clean sheets. And uh, long may that form continue. Uh, we were meant to have, of course, a midweek game to review away at Blackburn. Um, that was called off on the day of the game for uh, a what log pitch. Um, a lot of games being um, postponed lately for various reasons. This time because of the weather. Um, so not much to discuss here, but. Just an interesting comment, which Matt pointed out before the podcast from from Tony Mowbray, the um, Blackburn manager, on the day of the uh, well, the, the on the day the match was supposed to be played, um, before we heard of the postponement. Um, he said, "I don't think the Swansea we know and appreciate for their brand of football will be coming." Uh, I watched most of their game at Barnsley after our game at the weekend, and they were pretty direct. There were long throws coming into the box. And they were more like Stoke in the 2000s than the Swansea we've maybe seen over the last dozen years or so. He did, he did go on to say Swansea will be coming a good fettle. I think they're sitting second in the league. They're doing well and they're winning games. So he gave us credit. But <laughs> on, on that kind of style issue, he basically said, listen, we're not the pretty team that you'd associate. And he actually compared us to the Stoke of the 2000s. Um, I mean, Matt, is that is that really fair? No, that's that's going way too far. I mean, Christ, Stoke have have you know footballing metaphors and parlance named after them that have lasted the you know the tenth of time. Could Messi do it in a cold Tuesday night in Stoke? You know, it's ridiculous to suggest that we've gone to that element of uh, of football. I mean, objectively, he's not wrong in the first comment he made that we are we can play a bit more direct. I'm not necessarily thinking it's a a direct criticism of us, or it, I shouldn't take it as a criticism because, like I said in, in an earlier piece, I don't think you can always go and play beautiful football. I mean, it's been Arsenal's undoing for the last 10, 15 years in that they try, let's say, they try to walk it in, you know, because they, they don't have a second way of playing. They always try and play on deck, and if win, lose, or draw, that's exactly how they're going to play. Great. But they will end up coming unstuck because people will find you out and learn how to play against you. It's very hard to know how to play against Steve Cooper Swansea because you can say, yes, Barnsley, we mixed it up. Well, the pitch was rubbish 
and we had to mix it up. We didn't make the best of it, but we won the game 2 0. So, who really came off that better off? I'd argue we did. And then you look at the game which we're about to analyze, which is the Forest game um, uh, from yesterday, when we played some glorious football and, and, and scored some great goals, and it was just some scintillating passages of play. Uh, on a on a on a better pitch, so maybe it is horses for courses. Maybe we are thinking like we can't really try and play too much football on this. So if you get a chance to play it down the line and allow loads to stretch his legs, then let's try and play that ball more often. But to to label us like stoke, I think he's trying to stoke the flames there, isn't he? Excuse the pun, but he is really trying to push something there because I mean not. That's ridiculous. There's at least 20 teams in this division who play worse football or play football more more akin to Stoke. I mean, that is that's going too far. Yeah, and and in fairness, Matt, I mean, he said he watched the Barnsley match. I mean, the, our we played much more football in the uh, in the in the recent Barnsley match than we did when we played against Barnsley earlier on in the season. Yeah, because <laughs> when we played against Barnsley earlier on in the season, our pass completion rate was just thirty nine percent. It was up to a massive fifty percent at all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the so we um, we won both of them games, though, didn't we? We did. We did. Well, <laughs> I think by two goals to nil. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean... <laughs> and, and in fairness, Steve, when, when we played against Blackburn earlier on in the season, I thought. Thought the Swans played a lot of very good football, um, which, um, which I mean, I, I accept this kind of comment from from a lot of managers. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Tony Mowbray less so because we'd actually beaten his Blackburn team playing a lot of good football earlier on in the season. Am I, am I wrong to feel that way? No, I don't think so. I think that was arguably our our best little spell in terms of of nice football around the time we played Blackburn at home. I think we played Stoke, didn't we, on the Tuesday? And that was a that was a very good performance with Danda playing quite well, and then a few days later we had the Blackburn game where we played well, and then we had the double header with Brentford and Norwich, where I know the results didn't necessarily um, go our way, but we did play some really really good football, and we were unlucky in both of those games. I think we could have won them both really. So I think um, you know we're we're a bit of everything, I suppose, in in some ways, aren't we? But the only thing that we're that we we haven't seen much of is is poor defending. I mean, the game at Derby stands out really as a bit of an an anomaly. But we've, like I say, the Barnsley home game, we, we were a bit more longer ball when we the pass completion rate being incredibly low, as you've said previously. Um, in mean, the game up there, I don't think we were especially long ball at, at Barnsley really, but obviously we did score from a long throw, and I I can't remember off the top of my head Swansea scoring from a long throw. So. I suppose that's obviously something that's been picked out, which is understandable. But I mean, where um, yeah, we we don't always play um, brilliant football. I think that's that's fair to say. There's been occasions where it's not been you know free flowing, shall we say, in a lot of games. But I mean, there's there's definitely been occasions where we have uh, played well. I mean, and I'm sure we'll come on to the the FA Cup game with with Forest. But there was a lot of uh, good football on show there, wasn't there? Absolutely, and we will be getting on to uh, discuss Forest. I think that's, you know, what you said there is fair. I, I think we've seen over the past week uh, a real grind against Barnsley, where we had to dig in deep to uh, just see see out the result on um, uh, you know on a night when we weren't really playing that expansively. And then you know, seven days later, we were taking on Nottingham Forest and and beating them with flowing attacking football. There, there are two sides to the coin with Swansea this season. That's uh, that's the truth of the matter. Before we get on to discuss Forest, um, 
just in the week in between the Barnsley match and the FA Cup match, there was a lot of transfer activity. Um, we'll start off with what I feel is the headline news, Conor Horahan uh, on loan from Aston Villa. Matt, how excited should we be about this signing? When I heard his name linked, uh, I think I tweeted at the time saying this would be a hell of a sign. This would absolutely blow blow my mind if we get this one. I don't want to overstate that. I mean, we saw glimpses yesterday. Um, but this is a player who, at this level, has always looked a bit better than this level, to be honest with you. So it's exactly the sort of player we need to be bringing in if they become available. There's not a team in this division that wouldn't have taken him on um, and, and found the space for him because... He, he, you know, he's industrious. He scores goals, and even though he never necessarily, um, you know, sits in the in the final third, but he's got such a range on his on his passing, his finishing, and 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 crucially for us, given one perhaps one of our weaknesses, you could argue, um, of we don't have many, but one of our weaknesses is set pieces. Um, we don't really have a, a, a good set piece taker at the club. Um, we've struggled in that department to to score enough goals from so. Uh, Having someone who can really threaten the goal from 20, 25 yards out and give us some, something else, that added string to our bow, um, would be massive. And, you know, he's not afraid to put himself about as well. Something, again, we saw yesterday. He slots into the team, and as long as he's fit and he want, and he's, he's up for it, he plays every week for me, which is a very nice problem for Steve Cooper to have, given the run of form we're on and the midfielders in particular are thriving. So he's got a fine space um, no doubt about it. He has to find space for Conor Horahan because he goes on that team sheet. Um, he just offers so much to our game, and uh, anyone, like I say, anyone in this division would have him in that in their starting eleven. Well, Matt set you up there, Steve. Uh, he he has to play apparently. So instead of who? Because neither Fulton Grimes nor Smith really deserves to lose their place. So who makes way for our new signing, who I agree, I think, has to play? Yeah, I, I'm also on the same wavelength. I, I think he has to play because he gives us that, that's something different, doesn't he? I think the, the three that are in there now don't really offer much in terms of any sort of goal threat or assist-wise, really. So I think that's the one thing that we have been lacking. It's worked quite well in a lot of games, better than I thought it would have done, if I'm being honest with you. But now we have that option. I think Kurahan has to play. So, I mean, I'm looking at it. I think Grimes probably has to play as well. So then you're looking at either Smith or or Fulton. I think at the moment Smith has been playing the better of the two. So I'd probably say Fulton would would be the one that has to come out if we're going to play our like strongest team. But I mean, it it's, doesn't matter a great deal at the moment. I mean, it's um, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? We're going to have so many fixtures coming up that there's bound to be some rotation and competition for places is exactly what we need. So um, I think it's uh, I think it'll be Fulton for me, but you'll get plenty of minutes, and um, you know everyone's going to have to be on their toes, aren't they? Because you know it, it does feel now as if we've got genuine depth in in most positions. So it's uh, it's encouraging signs, really. And one area where we've got uh, additional depth now is up front, uh, which is an area that a lot of fans felt we needed to strengthen. We've got Jordan Morrison, an American international. Matt, I, I don't know if you've seen him play. I, I, I have. No. I haven't. I'd never, you know, seen him before. But um, he comes, you know, highly rated from uh, people who've seen him play out in America. I mean, it's going to be difficult for him to break into um, 
to the first team with Lowe and IU playing so well this season. But um, I mean, I mean, people on the other side of the Atlantic have been raving ab- about him, and surely he's um, he, he's a, he's a good addition to to the Matchday squad at the very least, isn't he? Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one, but for a different reason. And I can't give any prior knowledge on him. I've seen YouTube clips, but you know, Barry Mackay looked a world beater on YouTube. You, you know, when you see him on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> not necessarily going to be uh, the same sort of player. So you, you want to see him in the flesh, of course, and you want to you see how he adapts to this league. But I can give my own opinion on Connor Hurahan. I haven't seen plenty of him play. Uh, I can't give that opinion on Jordan Morris. However, as you say, he comes with massive credit. He comes over here with people saying, great, he deserves this. This is a player who's tailor-made for Europe. I mean, there's some of the attributes which have been uh, uh, attributed to him, if you like. You know, he's strong. He's a quite stocky player, but he's he's fast. He's got an eye for goal. He's skillful. He sounds a little bit like Lee Trundle with pace, which is a scary proposition, really. But you consider someone who's got a little bit of everything there. Um, You know, there's not many players who offer that sort of all-round game. Now, again, I can't comment on having seen clips of him and some of his work looks really dazzling. Um, I'd be really interested to see if he can replicate that on different types of pitches over here and, and, and a different level, perhaps different standard. But certainly the players that uh, worked with him, the, the pundits, people who have seen both, follow both the the, 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 the British leagues and the American leagues have, have pointed Jordan Morris out as one of the few or one of some players out there that would come over here and, and bed in really nicely and give someone a real, real good option. So having seen those comments, I'm excited because I think, yes, oh, uh, I and low fantastic form. They both complement each other. It's taken a little while perhaps for them to really, um, you know, get going. We were reliant on AU and now we've got low chipping in with lots of goals, which has taken the pressure off AU still teams feel the need to put two men on Andreu because he is, we'd say, probably the best player in the division. Um, and, he, you know, you know, I think that's a fair comment. So it allows Lowe the license then to, to, to create the space for himself. And we've seen him reap the rewards. Maybe he doesn't get in the start. I, I would like to see him, you know, given a start because I don't want a situation... Um, like a Gyokeres situation where he gets the last 10 minutes and then he's, he's, he's over eager to perhaps impose himself, doesn't get off to the best start and then we're going to have a situation where maybe it's going to take a little while for him to get confidence and he needs to hit the ground running. Maybe there's an opportunity, perhaps not Wednesday because it's such a big game and we want to go with the tried and tested but maybe in the games coming up give him a start, give him a chance to really get out of the blocks um, in the start at 11, maybe give IU a rest or, or give Lowe a rest and just have that opportunity for him to establish himself as a real contender for a starting berth going forward. I don't want him to become, uh, I don't want him to be a bit part option um, just because with strikers, you know what they're like. They, they get into purple patches, they get into hot streaks and they thrive most when a manager shows that sort of faith in them. Um, so yeah, I would like to see plenty of of him, I'm sure we will, as you say, plenty of games coming up, and um, I'm excited. You know, it's some sounds at least like two bits of absolutely fantastic business, which, which, which could really see us um, in in the in the hunt come May. 
yeah, looking forward to seeing both of those players. Uh, Steve, one player who has come in and perhaps we're less keen to see, no offence, is, is Ben Hamer. Um, for the uh, player, well, he's a, a very experienced goalkeeper. Anybody who's been watching the Football League uh, over the last 10 years or so will, will be familiar with him. Um, he's been brought in as a backup for Freddie Woodman, so we're desperately hoping that he doesn't get too many games because that will mean, of course, that Woodman is, is still playing and still doing well. Um, but, but you know, as, as a replacement, say, for um, Bender in the, in the short term, who's, who's out injured... Um, a good signing. I know we've we've seen kind of mixed reviews from uh, some of his recent clubs of late, but he is a very experienced uh, shot stopper. At least, you know, um, t- for most of his career, at the very least, has, has been a, a good keeper at this level. Yeah, made of mine support. Uh, had us feeling he didn't have uh, any good words to say about him. But, um, you know, um, he's not going to play all being well, is he? Um, fingers crossed there'll be no... Uh, no issue with Woodman, but I think we, we're probably quite wise to to have made the decision to bring somebody in because I mean we saw it last season and we Woodman did get injured towards the end and, and Mulder then had to um had to come into the side, didn't he? So, you know, it's just nice to have it there for for the peace of mind, isn't it? Because, you know, goalkeeper is such a specialist position that if you were to get a problem there, then obviously it, it could hurt you quite badly. So I think we've uh, we've done the right thing. It doesn't sound like Hamer's, um, you know, the the type that we'd want to be our our number one, uh, really. But judging from what a lot of people have said, but you know, we we've covered ourselves. So I think in that sense, it's uh, it's a decent move. And I mean, if you look to next season, for example, we don't know what will happen with Woodman, do we? But I would say if we don't go up, we then have Hamer and we have Bender. Arguably, then we've got two goalkeepers going forward. So. It's probably worked out uh, reasonably well, I would say, in um, in that sense, really. But fingers crossed, uh, Woodman will uh, will stay fit uh, for the rest of the season. He'd be working with Martin Margitson as well, of course. I mean, there's an option there um, to, to to work with him on the training field, and hopefully, um, you know, we we, we know. From seeing how our defensive setup is, uh, how much that could uh, potentially help us along. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, hopefully we don't, like you say, hopefully we don't see too much of him because that means that Woodman's still fit and keeping his place. That um, if it does come around, then you know it'll be interesting to see the work that Mark Margetson gets to do with him on the training field and and see if he can cut out some of the errors which we've heard he's prone to making. Yeah, and um, well. Of course, we've got uh, two departures to discuss as well. Um, Matt, um, I'll give you Victor Gjokeresh to discuss. Um, predictable, really, that he um, that he went back to um, Brighton because I, I guess he hasn't really set the world alight, has he, since arriving here on loan in the summer? No, I'm I'm in a I'm in a very small camp of probably one that feels a little bit sorry for the fella. And I, I know, you know, you see how strikers are. And they talk about all the time. They say, you know, you need a manager who's going to have faith in you. I mean, early doors with Jamal Lowe, he, it seemed like he couldn't hit, you know, he was really struggling to find his goal scoring touch. And the games, as Steve mentioned, Norwich and uh, Brentford were, were two in particular where he could have grabbed himself a, a few and, and won the games for us. But um, you know, Cooper always had faith in him and, and, and Jamal Lowe has grown and grown and grown, albeit his work rate was always there, but um, now goals added and he will no doubt credit Cooper 
for the faith shown in him so he could reach that. If after those two games against the top of the table teams, he got hooked and we didn't see him for three or four weeks, we probably wouldn't have the Jamal Lowe we've got now. So um, Gjorkares was a bit part player. He was a backup for two very informed strikers. So fair play, you know, he wasn't going to get much game time. Very much struggled to impose himself when he did get the game time um, because he knew he would be out to the team after he'd had his 15-minute cameo. Um, he did score against Stevenage, but all-round performance was poor, I thought. Um, I think as a striker, it's very hard, isn't it? It's very hard to come in and know you're going to be a five minutes here, ten minutes there, see the game out, and then you're out of the team. Um, maybe he'll be a good addition to someone. Uh, I think he's gone to Coventry, is he? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so he's, you know, it's, it, it, maybe he'll have a chance there and he'll, he'll he'll prove some of the doubters wrong. But for me. It looked writing on the wall for quite a while. It's certainly not going to upset too many in Swansea. And I think it was the right decision, absolutely, to see the back of him. Um, it just wasn't going to work from you, was it? Uh, and that's going back to what I said about Jordan Morris. I want him to get the game time, which Gorkares didn't get. And I want him to be able to bed himself in um, and, and definitely uh, give, give him the opportunity because uh, Gorkares was, was, was a busted flush, unfortunately, long before we ended up sending him back. He just knew it wasn't going to work and, and it was best for all parties that we cut ties. And uh, Steve, finally, uh, George Byers, who's come back from injury but has um, been sent out on loan to former Swans boss Kenny Jacket uh, and Portsmouth, who are putting together a uh, promotion charge of their own in, in League One, albeit one which uh, was dealt a pretty severe setback with a with a 4-0 defeat over the weekend against Hull. Um, is this what Byers needs? I know a lot of fans said that they were quite shocked to see him go, um, but we've already spoken about the competition that's in... Um, that's in mid in midfield at the moment. Um, I mean, I mean, did, is this just necessary for him to get the games he needs to find match fitness again? Yeah, I'd say that it probably is. I mean, it, I think the, the surprise really was that it, it did sort of happen out of the blue, didn't it? I mean, there was no real link with him going elsewhere. Nothing serious, anyway. It didn't seem. Um, I was surprised that he wasn't in the eighteen yesterday. So when that happened. I suppose there was a question mark about what's going on, or has he picked up another knock again? But then obviously you see that he's uh, he's going to Portsmouth, so I, th- I think it is a good move. Um, he needs action, bit of a victim now, really, of the fact that we're doing well, and when we're doing well, it's not always easy to break into the side, is it? I mean, Gorkarez had sort of had the same problem, and we didn't show much either when he did have a chance. But I mean, if you've got players doing well, then you're not really going to get an, an opportunity if it's going to be sort of a wrong place, wrong time for, for buyers at the moment. So hopefully he'll go down there and uh, we'll see some action. But um, I do hope there's a recall clause in there just in case we get a problem because you can never tell in this very unpredictable season how things are going to pan out. And uh, there is a chance that we, we may need him at some point. So I do hope that uh, there is that option because uh we don't want to leave ourselves short either. Good point, because we look very healthy in midfield at the moment, but uh, one or two injuries could uh, could change that. Um, before we go on to talk about uh, Nottingham Forest, um, call us obsessed or whatever if you like, but we're going to go and discuss Cardiff City. Uh, it seems as good a time as any to discuss our neighbours from down the, uh, down the road. Um, because it's been a very exciting week for them too. They have got rid of one manager and brought in another. Um, Steve, I will start with you for this chat. Um, 
Neil Harris gone, not a massive surprise. He'd lost six matches in a row, um, which was very nearly a record for any Cardiff City manager. Uh, the writing had been on the wall for a while. Uh, and after their uh, dismal 1-0 defeat to QPR, he was uh, finally shown the door. There were a lot of Cardiff City fans hoping for kind of a new progressive manager who'd breathe new life into the club, bring them Pochettino. the, the good oh, <laughs> Simeone or Simeone they need. Oh, um, yeah. Um, Imagine his passion. Imagine his passion. Well, it, you know, they, have they got a Simeone-type manager, do you think? <laughs> well, slick Mick. <laughs> You're going to get a ban from this as well. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Twitter will ban me for, like it did previously. I'm sure people are wondering... Yeah, I got a 12-hour ban from Twitter because someone tagged me in a thing with Mick McCarthy about two years ago. And I replied calling him Slick Mick. Someone must have reported me and I had a ban for it. So, um, yeah, very bizarre considering the other things I've probably put up down the years. But uh, Mick McCarthy, I mean, I think I did joke to a couple of people on uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, whenever it was. I said, oh, imagine he goes in there now because he's so, like, uninspiring, isn't he? It's not that he's crap or such, it's just... No one, I don't think, jumps for joy over Mick McCarthy today, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, that's the reaction off the road, isn't it? But um, yeah, uh, it's not, uh, it's not a great appointment, I don't think. Not for a, you know, a, a sleeping giant who have aspirations of uh, world domination, anyway. Oh, this is brilliant, um, Matt. Uh, to play devil's advocate, I mean, no. Whatever anybody's saying about this appointment, that it's predictable, it's the same old, same old for Cardiff, that it's not really a sign of long-term um, planning. Um, you have to say nobody's... I don't think anybody's looking at Mick McCarthy and thinking he's going to take Cardiff down, necessarily. He didn't have a very good time at Upwell. Um, and it, and his time at, at Ipswich, the last time he was in the Championship, ended um, in, in a pretty sorry fashion with, with fans turning on him, really, to a large extent. Um, but, but I don't think anybody... I think people are quite confident that he will improve Cardiff and that he will steer them to safety at the very least. Um, in that sense, do, do you understand the appointment that's been made there? I'm excited for those reasons you've just stated. I think he's just about good enough to uh, to keep obviously keep them in the division. I expect him to do that, and hopefully, I, I was discussing I think with both of you a couple of days ago. Hopefully, he's just good enough to to convince Vincent Tan that maybe at the end of the season you'll chuck him a three year deal because they're going nowhere with Vic McCarthy. They'll go nowhere fast. They'll probably bounce around the doldrums and 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 maybe climb a couple of places now. And hopefully they just go on a little bit of run once they're completely out of contention. They go on a little bit of run at the end of the season and get themselves up to you know top half and uh, and and earn himself that lucrative contract. I mean, it was obviously too big a job for Paul Cook, as as, as we've been told, you know, it's a, it's a massive, massive, massive job. Uh, and that's why, um, you know, Pochettino rushed to PSG because he wasn't uh, ready for the Cardiff job yet. Um, so things like this happen in football. We just have to accept that the, you know, the sleeping giants are working with a smaller pool of candidates because only the elite like Mick McCarthy will do. So, I mean, when you talk about someone like him, as a Swans fan, I personally couldn't have wished for anyone better because of everything that Mick McCarthy represents. He's also a prickly character. He, he's been known to get into arguments with, with the fans. As you say, with Ipswich, he really got 
like daggers from them towards the end um, with the journalists as well, with the local press. And that's going to rub up Cardiff's resident journalist um, the wrong way brilliantly. And, and they're going to get on like a house on fire, I'm sure. Um, so it's all going to play out. Um, possibly the worst appointment I think they could have made. Um, and I, you know, I obviously stand the risk of having egg on my face here, but I couldn't have wished for them to appoint anyone more funny, to be honest. It is absolutely a car crash waiting to happen. I mean, you know, I, on, on a serious note here, I, I just, I, I thought it, it was the kind of appointment that you'd see on a parody um, Twitter account or something like that, Mick McCarthy to Cardiff. It's because it's so predictable. It is just Warnock Mark II in in in, in a lot of respects. But um, I, you know, I, I like I said, I think there are way worse managers than Mick McCarthy up there. I think he will keep them up without any kind of problem. I think a lot of his attributes will suit this current squad. But you know, having appointed Neil Harris on the premise that they wanted to change the style to become a better footballing style, which, you know, seemed ridiculous at the time with that appointment. It, it, Neil Harris never seemed like the man who was going to be doing that. Uh, and, and so it proved, really. But, I mean, if, if they were serious about that commitment, you don't then make your next appointment Mick McCarthy, because with all due respect... The football that he played at the Repu- with the Republic of Ireland in his latest stint and and it, an Ipswich before that, um, whatever the results say, the football wasn't good to watch. It was boring. It was really really boring, um, and and it, it was miserable, attritional football. Um, and, and in many ways, I think that suits the current Cardiff Cardiff side. I, I think they need to get back to that, those kind of attributes in many ways before they can move forward. But it's it's the kind of thing that we've seen before from Cardiff, and and which maybe has worked for a short in the short term on occasion, but it's not a platform upon which you can really build for long term success. And I I saw a report the other day, which I I don't know how true it is, um, but apparently uh, they were uh, looking at Paul Cook, um, but they would only offer him a six month deal, uh, and so that's why he. Um, he, he wasn't interested. And, and and I actually rate Paul Cook very highly as a manager. I think he would, he is actually... I think he it. I, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I think he's the kind of manager that Cardiff could use in, in this period. Um, and the thought that they only offered him a six-month contract in the current situation, I, I it, it beggars belief in my eyes. It, it I, You have to wonder with some of the decision-making uh, procedures at that club, seen with transfers over the last few years and, and, and managerial appointments as well. Um, you know, there've been plenty of questions about, about Cardiff's decision-making over the last few years, but I, I really just feel if you're a Cardiff fan, what, what's the long-term aim of this football club, you know, beyond maybe getting another yo-yo promotion and coming straight back down. Where's the plan for long-term growth to, to emulate what we did for seven years in the Premier League, because surely that should be their goal. They should want to do what we did uh, while we were in the Premier League, and and they're just not they're not going to do that with with Mick McCarthy in charge, and they're not going to do that running the club the, the way they are at the moment. Um, before we move on, boys, very quickly, where where do you think Mick McCarthy will take Cardiff um, this season? Steve, you first. Um, I think they'll finish ninth or tenth, maybe. As things stand, I think they will improve. I mean, 
Mm. To have six defeats in a row is is pretty abysmal. And I think even in our last few years in the Prem, when we did struggle a lot, I doubt, I can't think off the top of my head if there were ever a spell where we had six losses in a row. You'd use, you might have a spell where you might have five out of six, but you'd have like maybe an uninspiring nil-nil in there or something like that in between. But, you know, I, I think they will improve. They do have better players than their league suggests. They don't have this best squad in the league or whatever anybody else says or any of that crap. That It's just complete crap. Simple as that. They've got some good players, better players than what they've they've shown recently. So I think they'll I do think they'll improve. But I mean, to get top six now is is a huge ask, really, isn't it? I think uh, whoever was to go in there. I think with the investment that's been a Cardiff for the last few years, the the players that they've brought in, I think that would represent quite a quite a big failure on the whole if they were to miss out on the top six, even if. You know, ninth or tenth would be a very good result from this point. Uh, Matt, where do you think they'll finish? And you know, on that point, if they do get ninth or tenth, surely Mick McCarthy is is getting an extension on his deal, isn't he? Fingers crossed. That's what you're hoping, and you're hoping he gets uh, he impresses Tan enough to realise that he's the man for the future. He <laughs> come in and he get himself a three-year deal at the end of it. No, I think ninth, ninth or tenth is, is where I expect them to finish. I expect them to have a little bit of a, a pick-up of form. And as the season um, nears its conclusion, I expect they may play with a little bit more. Um, it, you know, they've got to play with something that they haven't, they haven't shown so far. Um, it was a very interesting Twitter conversation um, this evening with Dami Parfit saying that... Uh, uh, they they got one of the best squads in the league. Like, as Steve said, it was it's, it's an absolutely ludicrous suggestion. I mean, if you t- I mean, is he is he advocating that Swansea don't? Because if he is, then name me two, three Cardiff players that were getting our starting eleven. Because I'm struggling. I'm struggling to name one to be honest. You in current in in the current climate. So ours is is considerably better than theirs. It's certainly not one of the best in the division. They've got a couple of standout individuals that should be doing better than they are. If he gets the most out of them and he gets a tune out of Wilson and, and he gets more Kiefer Moore, they start playing a bit more to the strengths as as Steve said, you know, you just gotta they gotta work back to the Cardiff that they were and what they, they, they should have been. Um then then they can they can finish they can finish inside the top half. But Matt, Matt, on the point you made there about, you know, how many Cardiff players would get into our side, etc. I was going to say, well, you know, it's different styles and different formations, so it's difficult to to compare. But but I would say it's reached the point where the Swans are better than Cardiff at playing the the better style of football. But we're also better than them at playing Cardiff style football by now. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. If you if you're looking at someone that can win ugly, because that's what Cardiff have been famed for doing. Well, in my lifetime, um, they they they've managed to grind results out, and you're just thinking, jammy bastards! Have they managed to pull out of the bag? No. Look at Barnsley. We didn't do anything in the first half. We managed to take a one 0 lead into the break, capitalised on a defensive mistake to make a two 0 game over. That is something we would have been saying about Cardiff a few years ago. We'd have looked at Cardiff and gone, they did bugger all there. They had a defensive mistake and they got a long throw goal. That is just so jammy, it's so typical. No, you're right. We are doing Cardiff better than Cardiff did. And it's a compliment because it shows that we can play both ways. And whether we play pretty football or ugly football, and however it turns out, we are just choking up win after win. And um, it's, it's you are right. I mean, I think it's an example of how we've adapted and grown is that we're not a single, you know, we're not a single method team anymore. We don't just have 
one way of playing. We will play the game that is up ahead of us, how it needs to be played. And uh, one final point for me on the on this issue, just looking back at Cardiff's managerial appointment over the years, I, I was looking back over the past 20 years, my time, you know, so supporting football and the Swans, and I was looking at the teams, at the people who've managed Cardiff, and I couldn't find a single one there who you could say, you know what, after managing Cardiff, they really, you know, kicked on and went and got picked up by a bigger club who, uh, you know, and went on to bigger and better things. You know, um, I can't find a single manager there who who used Cardiff as a stepping stone in the way the Swansea was for a manager like Martinez, for Rogers, um, for for Graham Potter. You know, I, I cannot find a single manager there who's done so well at Cardiff that he was picked up by a by a bigger club. And I think that that speaks volumes, really. Cardiff is more often than not a, a brick wall for managers. Um, at the very at the very best, they stagnate there. Even the manager who has got Man United now around the top of the Premier League um, crashed and burned at Cardiff and had to kind of take a backward step before before taking up that job at uh, at Old Trafford. You know, it's it's not a good club to go to. If, they, if they're trying to attract managers, that's a problem. Because if they are trying to attract young, up-and-coming managers, they don't have that track record which tells that manager, yeah, this is the club you want to be at. This is the club where you can catch the eye and build a career in the game. Because no other managers have done it in, in, in recent history. Um and, and players as well get though. I mean, I think the last player I can re- reel off the top of my head that's actually been ported and gone on to do something and really up the game big and bright is Aaron Ramsey. And looking at him, and he's a dead. Is a dead. This is why I was shocked with Harry Wilson. I mean, I guess I think it, it's it's well played out now that Cardiff were the only team willing to stump up the extortionate loan fee for him. Swans, he would have preferred Swansea. I think that's fairly well documented as well. He'd have preferred to, to come to us. He would have suited our game more. We weren't going to we weren't gonna pay the £3 million if we were asking for a season loan. Cardiff were. They're happy to chuck money at it and go after Swansea targets. That's fine. That's their prerogative. But we're looking at Cardiff players. That's a brick wall of, of ambition as well. There's nothing to go from there. No, no, well... We'll see, obviously, how things go with Mick McCarthy. I don't expect it to be a crash and burn situation. I, 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 I think he'll, you know, get better results than, than Neil Harris. But whether that'll be enough to satisfy Cardiff fans, uh, we'll wait and see. Gitto, and, can I yeah. just before we go to Forest? I, this yeah. is completely off, off the cuff and off the record. You went off the record, but off the plan at least. <laughs> can we talk? Can we talk for two minutes about Morgan Gibbs White on Twitter and his and his girlfriend? Who for, I don't know if you've been keeping track or, or seeing or just seeing a pattern emerge, but there's a there's a player there who seems to be absolutely desperate to engineer a move back down here, and his girlfriend as well, um, who are both on Twitter and just constantly liking and talking about this ones. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it just maybe it's me overseeing this. Whatever Morgan Gibbs White, having been recalled a few weeks ago by Wolves, he's played for Wolves since then as well keeps talking about the Swans, keeps liking tweets about the Swans. His Twitter header, his Twitter uh, profile picture, his bio, his pin tweet, they're all Swansea. All of them still. Even though he's back at Wolves, he's playing for Wolves and his relationship with Swansea has ended now. He's not going to come back here again unless we engineer a move for him. 
Um, but it just feels a lot like this a lot. She tweeted today, his girlfriend, that she misses she misses late night walks on the beach. And I'm just wondering if there are any beaches nearby Wolverhampton. I don't think there are. I think it's it's, it's, it's fairly Midlands if I if I remember rightly. So um, I'm thinking that um, there's a lot for me. There's there's a player there who's perhaps more publicly than privately gutted that he got recalled. There are a lot of canals in Wolverhampton. They, <laughs> well, you might, you might mean, take a walk along there. Yeah, yeah, you can go for a walk along the canal. But, I mean, in, on a serious note, Steve, I mean, I saw the other day, um, he was di- he's, he's been diagnosed with COVID-19, um, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White. So we, we are, we're wishing him all the best for that and a speedy recovery. But even even with that announcement, there were some really nasty comments from from Wolves uh, fans, and I'm not going to you know single out Wolves fans here. I think we saw with Victor Djukaresh, um that that every single club, including ours, has um, some just loser fans who um, will, will abuse a, a player for very little reason. Um, and um, so you know we're not going to take any kind of moral high ground here and say that we're better than Wolves fans in any way, but. It, I, is it encouraging then that a player of Gibbs White's quality, um, I, I guess, has that kind of good experience with Swansea? And it, it's for me, it's a sign that we are a good place to be at the moment, and and it's a kind of place where where players are, are going to enjoy their football, and that that can only be a, a good thing in terms of attracting more quality players like Gibbs White. Yeah, definitely, because you think that his his impact wasn't really that uh, that big, was it? Because of the injury he picked up, he only played about six or seven games for us, I think, didn't he? But yeah, I mean, it does seem as if he's he's quite disappointed to have gone, and obviously his his girlfriend is um the same really. But obviously he had that bit of an effect off the pitch as well, didn't he? I think he funded the the breakfast club at uh, one of the schools and stuff like that. You know, he, he seemed to really immerse himself into things with the community, and you're thinking this is a player that's not from you, not technically our player, not playing, and yeah, he's putting his time to good use for stuff like that, which is you know pretty good, isn't it? To be fair to him, but it, it de- definitely bodes well for us. I mean, if we're going to have players here that, that want to be here and are disappointed to have gone, um, yeah, it's it is just a shame, really, with Gibbs White that I think we, everybody would have liked him to have stayed as well. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? But um, you never know in the future something. Uh, could happen, couldn't it? But um, in the short term, I, I wish him well with uh, his recovery from uh, COVID-19. Yeah, and if he does get fed up of uh, being abused by Wolves fans, he, he can always come back down to the Liberty. I think we'd love to see a bit more of him. Uh, definitely a feeling of uh, that we haven't really seen enough of uh, of Gibbs White in a Swans shirt. Um, let, let's move on to, to we from one young player who's no longer with us to uh, some young players who really made an impact uh, against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of listeners have stayed with us for nearly an hour now waiting. When are they going to get to Forest? When are they going <laughs> to get to the good stuff? Well, here we are. And uh, let's let's start it off because we made a lot of changes for this match, uh, Matt. And um, they, I, I, I dare I say it, there, there was... Very little difference between um, this performance and what we would expect from our best team uh, in a in a big league match. Um, I, I I was I thought there was an unending list of positives from this fixture. Yeah, lovely way of putting it. I think I possibly the most pleasantly surprised I've been this season. Um, genuinely, you look at the team and you just think, well, okay, 
you know, we 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 with with respect in the the competition, we we, we want to progress, but also we we know that the league is our bread and butter, and you can see that with the you know the Routledge and the Cullen selections and stuff like that, and you're thinking, okay, no, it's all good. Um, the the players that played. The performances they put in, it was a complete performance. Like you say, endless list of positives. Um, you know, <laughs> the fact that we were playing against a championship rival, um, it should have been it should have been a more closely fought contest than it was. It was probably about eighty minutes where we dominated. They had that ten minute spell at the start of the second half. Um, but really speaking, some standout performances. Liam Cullen. Take a bow, you know. We've talked in the last couple of weeks about the Swansea need to sign a backup striker, and I've been a big advocate of yes, and I'm really pleased we've got Jordan Morris in for that reason. Um, and, and then Liam Cullen shows, and as I said, what with Bjorkeres, and he struggled with not getting enough minutes to show what he can do. Liam Cullen gets a start and he shows exactly what he can do. Clearly, a very, very a dangerous striker, um, knows what the back of the net is. And, um, and 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 an all round great game for him. Uh, two goals as well for for Matt Grimes. One absolute beauty. And um, and also Ollie Cooper coming onto the game, coming onto the pitch, grabbing his first goal for the club. We scored that goal with ten men on the pitch. By the way, you know it's it, it just goes to show the level of confidence we're playing with at the moment. Anyone that can come into this team just slots in. We still we still play as a fluid unit, we play as an 11, and you can change two or three players here or there. The confidence is high throughout the camp. It's not just 11 players that are brimming. It seems to be the whole squad. Um, well, Steve, were there, were there any other players apart from Cullen who uh, really caught the eye for you and, and made a statement? I think Hurahan um, made uh, a good start, really. I mean, he, there was a couple of nice balls into the box, really, so that was good. There was one pass through that I think he, he overhit slightly, but that was that was in the first half and that would have put I can't remember who it was through on goal, probably Cullen. Um I think that was encouraging. What what I found quite interesting was Garrick. He he seemed to play like a bit of a man possessed when he came on as a as yeah. he was getting stuck in. I remember he shielded one ball out. I mean showed a lot more strength than what he he usually did. I, I wonder if Garrick was a little bit annoyed that he wasn't given the opportunity to um to start because he probably he, he really did play as if he, he had a bit of a point to prove. I know he wasn't on for very long, but that encouraged me a lot. Um, but I don't, you know, there weren't any particular bad performances. I think I mean Latter Rodier obviously made the mistake for the goal. I mean that that can happen occasionally. It's uh, it's not the end of the world, is it? But I think Manning was good as well. He showed uh, it's probably his best game for us. So puts a little bit of pressure on Bidwell, who I don't think has been. As uh, as good as he was maybe early in the season, so that you know could be an area where you know Manning could be pushing for a start. So I think there were a lot of positives yesterday, which I I didn't feel so much from from the previous round. I don't really think in that game anybody really pushed for um, you know to to get an opportunity to to maybe come into the team. But I think yesterday the the manager was given a, a headache by one or two, which is very encouraging, really. Yeah, I I agree with what both of you have said. Really, um, I, I I agree with you, Steve. Against lesser opposition in Stevenage, I didn't feel anybody really made that statement, put their hands up, and said that they were ready to compete for a starting spot in the league. I I definitely think there were several players who've, who've risen up the pecking order after after the win against Sheffield uh, Sheffield against Nottingham Forest. Um, 
I th- I agree with you. I thought Garrick was was brilliant. The best performance we've seen from him since uh, his injury problems last year, uh, and that was you know while playing at, at right wing back, which isn't really his uh, his natural position. Um, I uh, you know looking at a few of the senior players, I thought I agree. Matt uh, right, sorry, Ryan Manning had his best game in a Swans shirt. I, he he was a man possessed. He was just jumping into every tackle, making every single block. Uh, getting forward and, and helping to create. I think there is real pressure on Bidwell now. Not that Bidwell's done too much wrong, but I think Manning just had such a barnstorming performance that he now has to be considered. Um, I I like the look of Latibaudier every single time I see him. I think he is just uh, looks a, a good defender and a really good footballer. He was picking those passes in between the lines, r- progressive, getting us up the pitch. Um, I like the look of him. We haven't seen much of him, but every time he has played, I thought he looks like a good player and like a kind of player that has a, a bright future. Um, we have touched on Manning. Uh, I think I know what both of you are going to say uh, to my next question. I think I'm going to disagree with both of you, but do you think that our third goal should have been a penalty or not? Um, Steve, you answer it. Uh, tell me why I am wrong for thinking that it, actually the referee got it right. Um, I'm not saying it, it definitely wasn't a pen, but it's, it's very soft and Manning sort of makes it a pen. I would not be happy if that was given against us. That's probably the the best way of um, of describing it. I mean, I, I did have a little bit of sympathy for the Forest defender because, yeah, his, his foot is there, but I mean, he's not really looking to make a challenge and Manning sort of puts his foot, you know, there to to sort of get the foul, doesn't he? And... That's what happens. He goes down, and obviously the referee has, has bought it, so he he's gone down looking for it. That's the point that I was making more, really. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I think it, it's soft. Is isn't it? I mean, Joe Oral, he does you know stick his leg out. Um, it's it's not as if he's you know making a, a strong challenge or anything like that, but he does stick his leg out there. And that is the direction that that Manning was uh, was running in. Um, so has he, you know, impeded him? I and I, I actually think if you look at it, I, I'm going. Some people are going to think I'm going to sound like the most like biased of fans here, but I, I genuinely think if you watch it in like real time, I, I'm not entirely convinced that Manning kind of. Sometimes you see a player stick the leg out like to the left or something like that to ensure they make contact. And that obviously is is cheating. And that That's the old um Robert Perez trick. Yeah, you know, you force the contact by you know, players not really in your vicinity and you stick a leg out to make contact with them. If anything for me, that's a foul on on on, on the on the other player then. With this one, I mean Warrell sticks the foot out and, and you know, Manning runs into it. For me, I mean, anywhere else on the pitch, that's that's a foul. It's you. You may say it's soft, but I think really, it. I. I, I think the referee got it right. If I'm being honest, I know I'm in a tiny minority here, and My, it was one of the things that Forest and Swansea fans agreed on on um, on Saturday that that it, it it shouldn't have been a penalty. But I actually think Kevin Friend got that decision correct. When I when I watched it real time, and this is probably going to sound like more and more in support of you in this sense, Gator, in that when I watched it real time, and obviously you only get one shot to see in this as a ref, this is not a credit to Kevin Friend because I think as a ref you have to get it right. But it's easy to look back on, you know, 
four times slowed down replays frame by frame and say, oh, he's gone down easy or he was already on the way down or, you know, he's made a meal of that. But I, I watched, when we watched that in real time from the angle you had from the TV cameras, I said pen. Straight away I said pen because he's got to the ball first, Manning, he's taking it past the man, the leg comes out, Manning goes down, there's definite contact and I'm just saying pen. He's given himself a second to think about it and he's blown. And, and now it's the moment he's blown, the commentator said he's given a free kick. And I'm like, no, it can't be a free kick. He's a yard inside. Obviously, the re- yeah, you go, yeah, he did give a penalty. And that's and that's the end of it. You can look at the replays and you can say, yeah, if they went to VAR, they'd re- overrule it. They'd write it back and they go, well, no, actually, you know, it's it's probably not a foul. Um, he's probably made too much of it to, to warrant it was a, a, a foul. But in real time, as I saw at first time, I thought it was definitely a foul. He only gets one chance of looking at that. He doesn't get to look at the replays and, and, and like we did. So, yeah, I can definitely see why he's awarded it. I mean, it, it was all happening very quickly. The ball moves on and, and the ref's got a decision to make. Does he think that there was contact there which was impeding him? And he's just come to the conclusion that, yes, I, I don't think it was a shocker of a decision. I just think maybe if they had a chance of looking at it, he wouldn't have given it. <laughs> Am I right in thinking this is the first time we've scored five goals in a game since we scored six against Cambridge, I think, in the League Cup at the start of last season? Um, so it's, you know, it, it's it's not every day that um, we score five goals in a game, especially considering this team is, or has not had failed to score more than two goals in any game this season before, before uh, Saturday's match. Um, but that win... Uh, that very impressive win means we have a repeat of the 2000 and what was it 2019 uh, quarter final against Manchester City. Uh, this is a match that still, you know, Swansea fans still get angry about because of uh, the nature of that defeat. Um, I mean, Steve, are you looking at this as a chance to get revenge for that day? Um, I would like some revenge if I'm honest, but I'd probably rather it in a different season. I think we've got bigger fish to to fry, really, and you wouldn't have the real glory of a, a cup upset like that when there's there's no fans there or anything like that. And you know, we're we're not gonna win the FA Cup this year, I don't think. So, I think the best thing that could happen, really, from our point of view, is uh, you know a, a respectable performance and. Uh, we end up going out and concentrating on the on the league because there's a lot of fixtures to come. We obviously had the Blackburn game called off, which um, wasn't great. Because that's one to catch up on. I mean, if we get a COVID outbreak now, we're gonna there'll be another uh, you know fixture pile up kind of thing. And or if other teams do, there'll be more games called off. So I think we could uh, you know I think this would be a good time to go out if I'm. Uh, if I'm honest with you, we need to. Uh, for me, it's, it's all about trying to get that second place in the league. And on that note, we move on to uh, discuss what, in my opinion, is the biggest game of the season so far as uh, Brentford arrive at the Liberty Stadium. Matt, uh, they're only, I think, two points behind us with a game in hand. Uh, they have won, I think, well, sorry, they are unbeaten in the last 15 league matches. Um, and even their reserves um, gave Leicester a bit of a tough time in the FA Cup uh, today. So I think it's fair to say that Brentford are going to give us a heck of a challenge, aren't they? The game comes at the perfect time. I think anyone who who's interested in, in, in this level of football should be licking their lips at this potential 
to be the fixture of the season, certainly so far. Um, you know, they, they lost a couple of their big hitters in the summer, Brentford, but they've proven they've got the versatility to come back and they, they've come back with, um, you know, even Tony's uh, just racking up the goals and they've got such strength there. And I, I say this through gritted teeth because their manager is an absolute bell end and we know from the end of last season how much we really want to do them over I felt like we should have had that revenge earlier on in the season when AU was half a yard offside in the 94th minute which would have won it for us um, but nevertheless this is a real if Watford was a statement of intent, then this is an absolute, you know, slap in the face for anyone who says, you know, Swansea are going to fall away. Because if we can manage to get the win against Brentford in the form they're in, like you say, this is a, this is a team that are just do not know how to lose a game anymore um, in, in in recent history. So they're just taking everything in their stride. This is a real hitter for us. We can go. We can express ourselves. Hopefully, it'll certainly. I I I hope it'll be a game for the purists because um, we have shown, like we did against Nottingham Forest, that when the conditions are right, we will play football and we will look to um, put the ball on the deck and put together some lovely footballing moves. We know Brentford will do that as well. I'm so excited about it, but I'm also nervous, and I don't think I've been really as nervous about a game since the playoffs because it does feel like a lot will hinge on how the game goes because our form at the moment, we are feeling, like I said, just 10 minutes ago about the squad brimming with confidence and and any player can come in and just show that, you know, that that sort of level of confidence. This is one that will really take it to the next level to to knock Brentford off that perch there on at the moment with their unbeaten run um, will be quite something. And um, yeah, there is a bit of nerves. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm just praying that we get through it and, and if we get the right result and the right performance to match, then, wow, what a position we'd be in. Uh, Joe, I agree with you. I, I, I'm feeling the nerves as well. I'm getting more... I think I think I'm 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 really looking forward to it, but there is more anticipation, I guess, for this match than any other match this season, including the, the derby against Cardiff. Um, I just feel like this is a game that could really have a definitive impact on on the on the uh, remainder of the season. Um, I mean, if we lose this game, then suddenly Brentford are above us, and they've got a game in hand, and they're in amazing form. Suddenly, second place, you're thinking, oh, you're getting a bit down about it. And we, I think we saw earlier on the season, you know, against Norwich, a game of very very fine margins, but Norwich edged that one nil, and and they they've not really looked back since then. And we've you know that we've we've never we've struggled to really bridge that gap with Norwich since then, and and I I think the same thing could happen if if we lose to Brentford. On the other hand, Steve, if we can go out and beat Brentford, and you know earlier on in the season we we weren't too far off doing it. I mean, what a statement that would send to the rest of the league. Oh yeah, it would be a, a brilliant game to win. But Brentford have been a good side for the last couple of years now. They seem to obviously have this great plan of bringing in players and to replace the ones that they've lost for a lot less money. So there's, there's plenty to admire about Brentford, of course, um, apart from the manager, who matters quite rightly described is a complete bell end of a man. Um, to win this game would, would be huge. Um, you know, they've got a, couple, a game in hand on us, I think, haven't they? So, but we are very close in the table. You definitely look at Brentford as one of the teams that 
are going to be last in the distance. It'd be a big surprise, I think, if they didn't finish in the top six. So, yeah, this is um, a big game. I don't think it's uh, a must-win, which I'm sure you're very pleased to hear. But I mean, we, we definitely want to make sure that we get something out of this game. I mean, we don't want to be losing to uh, a side who are one of our rivals, and your side is below us, trying to catch us at the moment as well. So, it's a big game. I think it, it should be a good game as well. So. Yeah, it's uh, you know there's a lot to look forward to this week. Well, yeah, it's a six pointer, isn't it? That's what they call them. I don't think it's a must win, but it's definitely a six pointer. It, it really is. And, and Matt, in fairness, our performances against the um, the teams around us in the league so far this season have been very good on the whole. Some of our best performances have been reserved for you know our nearest competition, including Brentford. Um, but we haven't always got the results that we deserve from those matches. We've only beaten one of the teams currently in the uh, in the top six, and that was the very impressive win against Watford, of course. Um, you know how, how important is it that we turn those good performances into the deserved results? And and starting, I guess, with with Brentford. Yeah, I think you've used an important word there, the deserved result, because if we maybe not showing up against the top teams, you'd just be like, oh God, we know we can play this way, but we don't show up on the big days. Then you'd be concerned looking ahead. But it's not necessarily that we haven't turned up. You know, as, as we talked about earlier on, the Norwich, Norwich and Brentford games on another day could have both ended in Swansea wins the table would be looking even better for us at the moment. But, you know, we haven't got the result that necessarily we deserved from both of them games. We are playing better football. More, more, um, we're getting the results now that perhaps in those games previously we weren't getting or we weren't fully clinical and taking those chances. Now we've got Jamal Lowe, who is, is just on a ridiculously hot streak. We've got Andrea, who knows is 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 so important to us in both boxes. He, you know, he defends corners um, superbly at the front post. The, at the other end, he's great in the air in the opposition box. He's so lethal in around the six-yard box. If there's a ball to be won, he'll win it. So we talked about him, you know, being the best player in the league. I don't think there's too many players that would argue uh, with with that. Um, Connor Hurahan as the man who could supply that those players up front. And so I'm not worried about that end of the pitch and we've never been worried about the other end of the pitch either. So that is a fantastic recipe for success. And we've mentioned the, the, the old saying a few times on this podcast that it's attack that wins you games and defence that wins you titles. Defence for us has been a massive big point, even when we haven't been scoring goals. It's the first time this season we scored more than two, which is incredible for a team as high in the league as we were, as we are. And 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 um, we we only scored, we haven't scored two in the league all, or more than two in the league all season. And obviously we put five in on the weekend. It's 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 nice to see us break that duck, and and hopefully we take it on and we carry on. Um, we deserve we deserve to um, be where we are. The performances have been good. On the whole, and um, it it's what I what I mentioned earlier on is horses for courses. Yes, when we've played the top teams, the footballing teams, we have actually played really good football ourselves. So I'm hoping we'll see more of the same on Wednesday. Well, Steve, what's the uh, what's the team that Steve Cooper needs to pick then to uh, to beat Brentford? Who are the players you think uh, should start that match? Okay, um, so I'll go Woodman. Um, back three will go Bennett, Gray, and Cabango. 
um, Roberts and Bidwell. I think Madden may be a little bit unlucky. I'd probably still go with Bidwell though at this stage. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Fulton's the one to come out of midfield, so it would be Smith, Grimes and Hurahan. And then I'd go low with AU up top. Matt, any any differences in your uh, starting lineup? I mean, it's a toss-up between Bidwell and Manning at this point, isn't it? I mean, he may just have played, he may be looking at it going, well, Manning played on Saturday, so maybe I'll give Bidwell this one. He's fought for choice um, in a lot of areas of the pitch. Another toss-up between Smith and Fulton. Fulton would be extremely unlucky. I think he'll be in the running for Player of the Year at the end of the season. So if he's the weakest link, then it just says how strong that area is currently. Um, it, it, there's there's a few, you know, there's a few selection choices and headaches that Cooper's going to have. Of course, we can talk about Jordan Morris as well. He'll probably start on the bench. I say later on, he. I want him to get starting position because I want him to build up confidence and, and really show what he can do. Maybe go with AU and Low on Wednesday because that's the tried and tested and successful. No real arguments um, with, with anything that Steve said, really. It could go either way on a few positions, um, but what, what options we've got on the bench now as well, which is something which Cooper, when we've accused him of not making subs last season, perhaps he could lean back and say, well, who would you have brought on to change that game? That's certainly not the case now. There are options there. You know, you have players like Jan Danda. You know he can change a game. You know he's certainly in 20, 25-minute spells. Jan Danda can be a, a game-changer. Um, so, you know, you've got options like him as well who would be thinking, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I need to show you again how just how good I can be. But we're blessed now. We have a squad now that can really compete for honours at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Steve Cooper really does have some difficult choices to make. Um, for the record, I, I mean, most of the team, I, I'd agree with you. I personally feel the Manning is doing enough to get um, to get the nod at, at left wing back, but I'd expect Bidwell to start just because he's he he, he is the number one. Uh, it seems at the moment and um, hasn't done much wrong. It's fair to say. Uh, I would agree with. Fault and missing out, but it it's so it's so tight between those three. Who who misses out and whoever it is, you know, is is hard done by. I I I'd also say there may be a bit of a competition for the third centre back spot alongside Gay and, and Bennett. I mean, Cabango mm. has been fantastic, but you've also got Norton and you've also got Latibordier who's playing really well. And you know, Cabango I think is, is stronger defensively than both of those, but but Norton and in particular, Latibordier are better footballers, in my opinion, um, which, you know, could come in handy against a team like uh, like Brentford, who, you know, are, are not only, you know, very, very good on the ball and very dangerous going forward, but even without it, you know, they'll work hard in midfield and it can be difficult to pick pick those passes uh, into into your forwards. So um, I, I'd be tempted to go with either Norton and uh, or Latibordier, even though I'm, I'm a big fan of Cabango, but it's, it's so difficult to say in... Brentford, we know we're going to come down really pumped up for this match. They rested their entire first team pretty much uh, against Leicester, really prioritising this match because they know how big it is. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's no love lost between Thomas Frank and uh, and the Swans, so I'm sure they'll be fully pumped up for this match. And Whatever happens, I think it will be a great contest, really entertaining to watch. 
and just hope that the Swans can get the job done. Um, we'll look forward to the the, the, the last match uh, this week, um, the Rotherham uh, away game on Saturday. I mean, we won't discuss too much because the main event this season is Brentford. But um, whatever happens against Brentford, this is the kind of game that we need to be looking to win, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, aside that, you know, we're not pulling up any trees, really. We need to, well, with our away record and the way we've been playing recently, there's no reason why we can't go there and win. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think a draw would be a particularly bad result, but I think in, we certainly need to be going there thinking uh, the points are up for grabs and we need to be playing to win. I wouldn't be coming away from there thinking a, a draw is brilliant, although it wouldn't be a bad result. So, I, uh, yeah, I think we need to be looking for three points there if our aim is for top two. I agree with you, actually, Steve. I do think that um, one of my concerns, it depends how Wednesday goes, really, because if we do beat um, Brentford, then obviously that'll be a lot made of that, That like like, like the Derby win um, against Cardiff. There'll be a lot made of the fact that we've beaten a direct rival who looks like they're going to finish in the top three, four, five, six at the end of the season. Um, so that will be a massive thing. We talked earlier in the season about the after the Lord Mayor show, which happened after the, the game against uh, Derby when we just didn't turn up. So I feel like um, it may be, if we do manage to beat Brentford, that may be the game then where I would like to see um, Jordan Morris uh, given the start up front. I know I keep saying this, but rather than have the players who are still kind of like playing the Wednesday night game over and risk coming down against with a bump against Rotherham, you know, give a give make those changes to keep the team fresh, keep the team buzzing, give the opportunity to players to stake a claim for the starting place, and keep it fresh, and give the likes of like Morris and Dander, and and bring Fulton back in if he is indeed the one to miss out. So, I would like expect those changes to be made if we beat Brentford, and if we did lose against Brentford, perhaps then giving the team a chance to really bounce back against Rotherham. Um, again, I agree with you completely. Again, we've got a target a win from, um, and that's the best teams do have to target a win against these sorts of teams, um, home or away. And yeah, it could be a case of see how Wednesday goes and then see which team would be the best, um, depending on how we perform against Brentford. Um, I'd like to see us pick up two wins. That would be an absolutely phenomenal week for us. <laughs> Getting selfish now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I rather rather am uh, currently, I guess you could say, on the best run of the season in the sense that they've uh, won one and, and drawn one in their last two games. Um, so, but but you know, you look at longer term, they've only picked up two wins in their last eleven games, seven defeats in that run. They're, they're in the bottom three for a reason. They're not they're not one of the best teams in the league. We we saw when they came down to Liberty earlier on in the season, they were very very limited. Um, and this is a game that we should be looking to win, really, a, a team in our position. Um, we won't discuss Rotherham predictions uh, yet because, you know, so much depends on what goes on in midweek. But I will ask you for a promotion, for, for a prediction, sorry, for the... Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you for a promotion as well. But that was a, a Freudian slip there, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was. That, that slipped in there. There's been a lot of promotion talk this week, which I'm not sure if I'm entirely comfortable with, but some people <laughs> sat and think about that. Um but I, I mean, Matt, you go first. Prediction for uh, for the huge, absolutely massive game against Brentford on Wednesday. 
if we score first, um, this the season, the story of the season has said that we are very good at seeing it out, and I hope we will score first. And 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 I can see us pipping this one one nil. Fingers crossed. It's Connor Roberts uh, and says a celebration in front of Thomas Frank. <laughs> we can all dream, Steve. Uh, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm going to sit on the fence and uh, say one all. Oh, do you know what? I I'm going to share that fence with you. I think it's going to be one all too. Um, I I cannot bring myself to say that we're going to win the game, but I can't bring myself to say that we lose it either. I think as as good as you know, Brentford have beaten in the last 15 games. They've only taken three more points than the Swans in that period. Um, you know, there's not, there's, they're not that much better than us on paper. They've got a fantastic squad. They've got the likes of, you know, players like De Silva and Jansen and 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 even Tony up front, etc. And, and just so many other fantastic players in that team. But we've got a fantastic squad too. We can play some fantastic football and we are second in the league on merit at the moment. So, you know, I, I think we're perfectly capable of going out there and beating them if we are on our A game. But at the same time, you, you absolutely have to show respect to a team like Brentford because they are absolutely brilliant. But fingers crossed the Swans can get what would be an absolutely massive win. Um, before we leave you, we'll just go back to that uh, quiz question that I asked right at the start. The uh, four players other than Connor Horahan uh, who have the name Connor, who have uh, represented the Swans down the years. Uh, we'll do them in reverse chronological order. Uh, one of them, of course, is a teammate of uh, Horahan, and that's uh, Connor Roberts, spelt differently, but still a Connor. Uh, we had Connor Gallagher on loan here last uh, last season. And the other two, striker Paul Connor, uh, who, uh, of course, was uh, playing for us predominantly in, in League Two. And then you have to go all the way back to the 90s for the uh, for the other one. And that is Cardiff City's new assistant manager, Terry Connor, TC, to his friends. Um, so if you've got all of those, then fair play to you. Uh, you know your Swansea Connors. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we should be back after the Rotherham match uh, to review the Brentford uh, fixture and the Rotherham one. Uh, hopefully some wins for us to discuss there. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for joining us. Mm-hmm.